Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know what I want. Hey, that's that's pretty bad. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Samson Folk, and you were listening to me after the Raptors loss. 111-297, splitting the home-and-home home series against the Bulls. One-and-one one without Pascal. And this is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law, where you only pay if you win. Shout out to them. You can reach them at 416-730-1777. This was a tough game. Uh, a lot of it was really hard to watch because the defensive scheme that the Raptors had a lot of success with in game one, they had some success within the first quarter. I was still a bit surprised to see that it was working, that that aggressive scheme, which really it, it kind of the bolts, what tighten the hatches, bolt that something like that. Right. They 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 forced the ball out of DeMar DeRozan's hands. Nine points, six rebounds, seven assists. Double-digit scoring back-to-back games. I don't know when the last time that happened to Namar was, but it would be a long time ago at the very least. Levine with 30, Vooch ending with 15, Pat Will 10, Desumu 12, Derek Jones Jr. 12, Goran Dragic 10. You know, the, uh, quite a few guys hit double digits, and I think that's emblematic of Levine being the connective tissue between uh, Demar and the rest of the roster, which that connective tissue broke a lot in game one. In game two, the Bulls definitely figured out a way around it. And as I said early on, the Raptors were finding quite a bit of success by forcing the ball out of DeMar's hands. Levine was taking a little bit of time to kind of get into the swing of things, not making quick decisions to kind of maintain that four on three advantage, make a quick read pass elsewhere, not putting the ball down to challenge these rotations as they come sweeping over, all that kind of stuff. But as the game progressed, his aggression level got better. Same with Io. And those guys really helped press the Raptors uh, in the half court after, you know, they trap, the ball goes up. You have a four and three advantage. Everybody knows this. You're working with an advantage. Find where it is. Sometimes it's off the pass, sure. Sometimes it's a defense that's just thinking about covering ground rather than, like, they want to be near you if you're about to drive the ball. But they're not, they're expecting you to pass out. They're expecting you to search for the advantage with the pass. But a lot of the time, what you can do is put the ball on the ground and really, you know, ante up. Are you here to stop me? And Levine and Desumu, uh, they, I think they did a, a great job of meeting the challenge of the Raptors defense and breaking through that that thin veil of ground coverage, I think. And then offensively, I think we really saw the warts for the Raptors in the half court. And the fact that it's, once again, guys being able to take it to the rim, Zach, in particular means... There's, there's less work being done in the Bulls half court of trying to zing passes and, you know, guys with long arms getting into passing lanes. The Raptors in game one doing such a good job of moving the Bulls into the passing. Like, hey, we, we have to pass the ball and we have to be quicker. And, you know, 
finding that really great balance between pressure and coverage and all that stuff. And in this game, that fell apart. Less passes being made. You know, it still made some passes, some skip passes, some passes, one pass away where three-pointers are made, of course. But in this one, uh, not as many turnovers for the Bulls, which means that the Raptors don't get on transition very often. And when they don't get on transition, that's where this team really struggles. With Pascal healthy, they were about middle of the middle of the road as far as their half court efficiency. And that's with Pascal being an all out star with him off the court. They were worse than the worst half court offense in the NBA. This this is what we're seeing tonight. Fred, who had a really great game, worked for a lot of what he needed to get to, took a lot of shots, shot really well from the floor. That was great to see, but he couldn't create very often for his teammates. And man, this team, Scotty, Fred, they don't have the juice every night to come in and win you games in the half court. They just flat out do not have it. And once again, total credit to Fred because he had to work. Io played awesome defense on him. Caruso for the little bit of amount of time that he played. It was also great. Vooch, I thought, was underwhelming in drop. They had a couple successful hedge and recover possessions. I don't think Vooch was a huge part of that, though. I think that was mostly the point of attack stuff because the hedge and recover were even coming to the level. Fred, when he was getting around, like that screen gets planted, he gets a step, and the guy is behind him. His primary defender is behind him. Fred did a pretty good job of recognizing that Vooch didn't have the foot speed to get back to the proper space in the two-on-one. And he would lob it or he'd find that little pocket pass or something like that. But once that ball pressure at the point of attack got much better and coming off the screen, they can force Fred to get a little bit wider so that, you know, Vooch doesn't have to step out as high and he can find that that good balance between his defense, his guy he's guarding and Fred, who's kind of turned the corner like that evaporated in the second half where the Raptors were able to kind of challenge with the lobs and stuff in the first half. And Coloco was as a roller, had a little bit of value there that uh, the defense the Bulls played really worked to take that away, and they did. 100% that was no longer uh, a valuable or a meaningful route offensively for the Raptors. It was just you put a screen out there for Fred so he can try and find his own shot, so he can try and do something valuable in that sense. And uh, he did. His shot-making was really impressive in this game, both as a guy who's moving after offensive rebounds or own transition or just like an OG and an OB drive where he's catching, putting the ball down quickly, zipping the ball out to the other side. Maybe it comes back up above the break and that's Fred shooting the ball there. Pulling from deep as well in this game, kind of extending past that, that 24, 25 range, getting closer to 26. That was nice to see. He looks healthy. He couldn't just dust IO off the dribble. Not that many players can. Um, but it, it was nice to see him get to his own shots, I guess, despite the Raptors offense overall being in a terrible place. The the tertiary guys, I think Trent, despite not being able, like he had four assists in this game, some little dump offs, moving the ball uh, to guys is meaningful, especially those connective passes. Nice to see in this game. But for the, as far as a creator, he wasn't like on mass creating these opportunities and even his points I think is more up to rather than like creating advantages, just doing that Gary Trent Jr. thing where, and to his credit, this is why he's a good player, is that it's that shot making within those circumstances. In that context, 
finding a way to get to his shot and, and make things happen. And, you know, 19 points, four assists, three steals as well, like 58% from the four. I'm not ever really going to ask that much more from Gary, especially in a game where the Raptors, they didn't make it super easy for him. This is not the 19 points per game that he was putting up with Siakam where, you know, these shots are falling into his lap and he's a shooter and the Raptors have it humming a little bit. This is Gary working pretty hard to try and turn corners off of dribble handoffs, rerouting aggressively, trying to shake guys off ball. Um, and a credit to him, it didn't move the needle overwhelmingly for the Raptors in this game, but I think that he did quite a bit uh, good stuff. Kowoko, he, he's tied completely to to what the Raptors, as far as lobs and like dump-offs and stuff like that. And of course, he went too fray from the field. I, It's good that people are excited about the defense and the Raptors' rim deep. Like, they've been a much better team at deterring rim attempts. Um, well, not attempts. Forcing misses, I should say, at the rim with Coloco on the floor so far this season. That's been nice to see. He deserves credit for that quite a bit. His, time, his timing on rotations has been good. Uh, offensively, he's still he's so hit and miss, right? It's tough for a guy that long to fill out that early in his career. He gets bounced. He gets, you know, it's the shoving match down there, right? You get the ball, and the guys start applying that pressure where you feel like you're already under the backboard. And you can see he feels that too. He's getting beat at the top and the bottom. That two for eight, by the, by the time he hits his prime, is going to be a really nice number. It's just he's struggling with the physicality in there. I, I don't blame Coloco that much for him. Uh, well, actually, I don't really blame him at all for it. He's doing his thing. He's mostly in the right spots, uh, which great because eventually he's going to make shots from those spots. Uh, so that's good. I'm I'm not upset at that. I, I am upset at how limited the Raptors are and the lack of recourse they seem to have in in the half court. OG, despite like the four for twelve. He looked his best in this game, mostly as a guy attacking those closeouts. That makes sense. He, he's supposed to look his best doing that. He did have a couple nice plays that are just born out of his own creation. He also had some sloppy stuff. And man, I, that travel that call, got called on him, I was chapped, dude. I was upset because he got fouled before the travel. And I was like, damn, that was a nice finish. And even if they call off the bucket, you know, they, they took away that play. I, I hated that because it's like, this is the easy stuff about refing, right? It's like, you see a guy jump stopping through the lane. You see a defender like coming in and like getting him th- thoroughly in the chest. It's like, okay, that's the call. When he lands instead of that perfect jump stop and instead is like the one, two. So it's a travel. I get it. It's a travel, but you can't, you can't act like, you know, his movement wasn't informed by something. Um, this is just me being petty. Refs miss lots of stuff. I, I'm not mad at the refs this game. I was just, it was a nice little burst of creation from OG that got taken away. So I'm a little chapped as far as that goes. But he and Barnes, as far as being the guys who are supposed to create those secondary looks, sometimes the primary looks, they they didn't have the juice tonight. Quite frankly, not even close. Uh, Barnes especially, completely, uh, he... I don't know if transfixed is the right word, but he had a hell of a time trying to navigate the second level of the Bulls defense. And what they did is they put a smaller guy on him, dared him to try and beat that smaller guy while help was sitting there. This is why, by the way, it's so important that Scotty and Pascal play together because Pascal's gravity as a scorer is massive. Scotty is not going to have the attention of the second level of defense 
when Pascal is out there. He would be able, of course, to take Caruso off the bounce if he so pleased. And Vooch would come late, probably, if at all. And this game, Vooch is waiting for Scotty. Fred is not going to threaten the rim. Fred is going to do his damage from the outside. It's up to the guys on the perimeter to figure that out if the ball gets back to Fred. But Vooch's job right now is to hang back and just see like, hey, Scotty, are you coming in here? Because I'm in here too. Not only the little guy who's going to try and rip at you and and get that dig and swat the ball away, but I'm going to be up at the top waiting. You're going to feel my body. You're going to feel that presence. That's uh, He had a tough time, man. Five points, six boards, five assists. There's always interesting stuff with Scotty. You know, some fun passes were made. That poster dunk was tremendous. Uh, I love that. That's one of those times where Vooch was late. And Scotty, he, he, Annie up. Meet me at the rim if you can. Can you? You can't. That, that was like really nice to see. But overall, a, a very, very poor game from the starbound sophomore. Okay, let's let's do the precious conversation. And so, at risk of sounding like uh, perhaps I'm I'm missing the mark as an analyst, I do not overly understand the precious role change slash sporadic minutes slash he's been removed from his usual rotation spot. I don't get it. And so I'll lay lay it out here. Precious, I do not find myself wanting defensively. I think that he and people would be correct to bring up that Coloco has had a more profound impact on rim deterrence or rim protection, whatever it is. Yes. Like has Precious had a stretch that's as big as Coloco has had? as far as just swatting shots and like changing shots, maybe not, but he did just have a full season of plus rim protection numbers. They they have all the data for precious and a season where he had a profound impact on the defense offensively. Um, Achua is not shooting well from the floor this year. The three point shot has been missing, but this is also a team that's playing Otto Porter Jr., who's only attempting one shot tonight uh, from beyond the arc. Chris Boucher, the the three-point shot comes and goes. Uh, OG hit no threes. Barnes hit no threes. Coloco does not shoot the ball. Banton was 0 for 3, right? We're looking at a team that it hemorrhages threes in a couple areas. But across the board, is this a team that's going to rain threes on you through the early part of the season? Not overly. Um, they've, they've had some guys who have hit threes, like Scotty shooting well through a few games. Uh, Fred and Gary are always going to be heavy volume. And, uh, you know, OG and Pascal have been in a decent spot. OG higher volume uh, as well. But is the jump shot keeping Precious off the floor? Is the offensive decision-making keeping Precious off the floor? And if it's the former, I get it to some degree, but I think that's a lack of creativity because, The Raptors have to get offensive rebounds. The Raptors have to defend well. And to my eye, Precious is not failing in either of those. And as far as when it comes to the Raptors failing in the half court, being a team that struggles there because they have very little creation, Precious is the only player among Boucher, Porter Jr., Coloco, uh, Banton, Thad, Hernan Gomez, Flynn, who can look a guy across from him in an isolation 
and he'll go and he'll end up putting the ball in the bucket. He's the only one who can do that. And his his field goal percentages currently are reflected by the difficulty of shots and the difficulty of positions he's being put in. Other bigs are not being put in these positions, is, is my point. So the efficiency numbers are down. The plus minuses have been bad, but they haven't been playing him with Fred. And basically, you know, the way that it's worked out a lot this year is like if you play with Fred you or Pascal, you win your minutes. And um, like Otto Porter Jr. minus 14, Chris minus 10, Precious minus 16. These plus mi- like OG minus 12. These plus minuses, if you're going to look at that and how they affect the on off stats that are now, you know, going to matter that people are going to look at this game. That is a wash. Other games, you looking at like three point variance and stuff like that. It's tough. And this is why I'm saying like my my analysis, I don't know if I'm telling on myself, I'm having a tough time placing why Achua. And this, this was before, you know, I was at the game in Toronto yesterday. A question was asked of Nick Nurse saying how impressive the Boucher and, and Achua tandem has been, that duo. And Nurse made a point to say, I think Chris has been good. Talked about Chris and then described Achua once again as inconsistent. I understand that Achua has been inconsistent, but I'm more interested in finding out what the floor is of the the bad side of him versus the ceiling of the good side, right? Because Nick keeps pointing to the game where Precious grabbed over 20 rebounds and saying, like, hey, that's what that's what we like to see. Is that the bar to clear? I'm confused. Because I, Precious, despite not being the same type of energy big that Boucher is, he is not as voluminous in his cuts. He is not as, um, I guess, active in his rotations. Although Precious, I think, definitively is a positive defender. I, I don't look at these plays and think, oh, Precious is costing them on defense. I, I do not agree with that at all. I'm left to wonder what's going on. Uh, it, it could just be me. Like maybe, maybe I'm taking for granted some plays. Maybe, maybe, you know, precious not getting nine rebounds in a game instead of four, um, despite maybe not having opportunities for nine is something that Nick is saying, like, you have to go kill dudes every time down the floor. Like maybe this is, this is coaching and saying, Hey, we expect you to be good. Go dominate every time out. And precious has not been dominating. I'll give you that much. He has not been dominating, but I don't think he's played bad enough that I would say players who are not as good at him keep getting the nod ahead of him. Curious, truly, truly curious stuff. Um, that's that's been my quibble over the past few games. I find it uh, it it perplexes me to be quite honest with you. And and even so, it's like the Raptors. Obviously, their offense did them no favors in this one. Maybe they felt fine about their defense. 111 when you're giving up a little bit more in transition. Maybe you feel okay about that. But if the Raptors wanted to get away from playing trap and they wanted to be able to handle a guy like DeMar or Alvine at the level of the screen, it would not have been Coloco. It would not have been Thad or Otto or uh, any of those other guys who play at the level. It would have been Fred plus Precious. It would have been Gary plus Precious. It would have been him as the big who handles that. We've seen many games in the past where Precious's defense 
is the exclamation point of the Raptors on that end. And I don't think he's been bad enough that you completely erase that um, punctuation. That's the that's the confusing part to me is that the Raptors, Nick has been going to Precious less and less. It confuses me. Otto, um, pretty underwhelming in this game. Uh, his movement is still, like, you can see it's going to work. I'm not low on Otto or anything. You can tell it's going to work. He makes pretty good decisions defensively. The offensive stuff, guys are pointing to him like, hey, it's you in like in what we're running right now, like motion weak, motion strong, something like that. He's like, you come get the ball right now. This is you come out of the corner. And uh, <laughs> and sometimes he's late to that. And sometimes he's kind of not forming up properly as a shooter. He's getting to spots that passes are getting to a little bit late. It's putting him off balance as a shooter. And so we'll see how it shakes out. It's going to work out. He has all the requisite stuff he needs. It's just been something that's been a little bit underwhelming so far. Chris had a tough game, for what it's worth. Banton, happy birthday. Dubber Don, do your thing. I'm uh, I'm glad uh, you got some playing time on your birthday. He had one really good finish. He had one really good pass. Thad, uh, nondescript, pretty slick pass he made. Uh, Wancho hit a three, although his minutes I thought were pretty bad. They were really bad. I hope Wancho kind of turns it around but he he looks like he's floating through these games man and uh it's just think he has not looked good on the court and Flynn is just like a little six minute stretch nothing really to write home about this is a tough game the Raptors did not have the weapons on the court when they were on the court to hang with the Bulls uh the the defense they were playing as soon as Levine was there untenable not something they could hang with. And offensively, couldn't turn enough corners, didn't make enough reads, didn't make enough shots. Dems the breaks. That's that's the way it shakes out in this one. Reggie Evans Award. I'm going, I'm going with the little guy, Fred Van Vliet. That's my Reggie Evans Award winner. It's not necessarily like the rebounding uh type of <laughs> uh Reggie Evans thing. It's just the um the work that was put in and Fred. He really worked for what he was able to get in this one today. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Reggie Evans Award winner, Fred Van Vliet. Top quick reaction comment is from M. Dougie. Quote, wow, Hawks lineup without trade defensively looks pretty decent. One, DeJounte Murray. Two, Aaron Holiday. Three, DeAndre Hunter. Four, John Collins. Five, Clint Capella. Not to mention A.J. Okongwu and Justin Holiday. They beat the Bucks with Giannis. End quote. Yeah. This might be the first time I've ever been able to just talk about another team on the top quick reaction comment. M. Dougie, thank you. DeJounte, in his second year in the league, right, he got an all-defensive nod. He's a great defender at the guard position. Holiday is uh, it's not necessarily the same uh, level of Fred Van Vliet, but I think you can see like a, he's a facsimile of Fred Van Vliet and his ability to kind of impact as a off-ball chase guard and a guy who will dig and get into the body and that kind of stuff. DeAndre Hunter, I know Atlanta fans have been underwhelmed with his stagnation offensively, but yeah, the, the strength and the ranginess helps a lot. John Collins has been underrated as a defender of the smaller front court players. They... For I understand why the Hawks kept trying to play him up before they got Capella, and because they were like the John Collins pick and roll with Trey Young ends worlds. It's fantastic. It's really great. 
and they want to keep that on the floor. So they play him at the five, play like Danilo at the four, something like that. Um, so Collins had trouble with the fives, but the fours, I thought he's been better than people thought. And with Clint and John, they, they run both pick and roll actions with both of them. They're both fantastic. Trey, obviously a massive part of that. So yeah, uh, the Hawks intrigue me. I, I think that they, they could be quite good this year. It's uh, especially if DeJounte, uh, man, like obviously without Trey, Trey is a bad, it's a really bad defender. When he's not on the floor, you're going to give up less points. And, uh, but when he's not on the floor, you're probably going to score less points too. Uh, we'll see how the trade-off works for them this year. The Raptors have trade-offs of their own to make. M. Dougie, thanks for writing in. Listener, thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.